Let us pray. Holy Spirit, pour out upon us wisdom and understanding that being taught by you in the Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be open to receive all that leads to life and holiness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Old Testament scripture reading for this morning comes from Psalm 80, verses 1 and 2, and verses 8 through 19. Listen for the word of the Lord. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sends out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see, have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. They have burned it with fire. They may, they may perish at the rebuke of your countenance. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts, Let your face shine, that we may be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Today's New Testament scripture comes from the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 49 through 56. Listen for the word of the Lord. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already ablaze. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five and one household will be divided three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it is going to rain and so it happens. And when you see the wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. 
You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Oh God, use me as your vessel and dwell me with the power of your Holy Spirit, that I might speak your truth. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The sermon title today is Jesus, the Dividing Factor. This is a difficult text because it challenges our faith, our level of comfort in our faith in this space, time, and season of our lives. Jesus' disciples and followers were challenged and quite possibly threatened by the words Jesus spoke in this passage. Upon reading the text, one might question, why is Jesus saying these things to his disciples and followers? Well, the context of this passage is Jesus is feeling the weight of his reconciling salvific mission and his disciples and followers are oblivious to the rising tensions surrounding God's mission through Jesus Christ. Jesus' disciples and followers have been following Jesus with, uh, following with him, hearing his teachings and witnessing the many miracles and healings he has performed. While some may have witnessed opposition Jesus faced in his travels, opposition to Jesus was not their focus. They were focused on Jesus, the great teacher and miracle worker. Here, Jesus gave his followers a wake-up call. Jesus told them the harsh reality of what it means to follow him. I have come to cast fire upon earth, and how I wish it were already ablaze. I have a baptism to, with which to be baptized, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Baptism begins the faith journey, and baptism is completed by death in Jesus Christ. John the Baptist foretold baptism by Jesus in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's words of coming judgment are now a named reality in the prediction of Jesus. Here the symbols of fire and baptism function as signs of the destruction and decisions that will take place in the future coming time of death and resurrection when Jesus' baptism will be complete. Jesus brought judgment and his heart was heavy as he looked towards what awaited him in Jerusalem. He is well aware that his fate is part of God's mission. He understands and he is the lead character 
in God's story of redemption and salvation. I have a baptism with which to be baptized and what constraint I am under until it is completed. The Greek translated word constraint in verse 50 means to be caused distress by forces of circumstances. Jesus knew his death in Jerusalem would be the precondition of the coming fire and like fire, Baptism inaugurates the fulfillment of God's will. I thank God that Jesus looked toward Jerusalem, even in the light of the circumstances, death on the cross for our salvation. I thank God for sending his one and only son for the sins of the world. I thank God that Jesus did not turn his back on the disciples, nor does he turn his back on us today? Jesus continued in verse 51 and following, do you think I have come to bring peace to earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. He goes on to describe the many ways they will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. These divisions within family are important to note because their culture, within their culture, they were obligated to one another. It was their duty. For example, it was the tradition for the father to hand down property and possessions to the eldest son, and it was the eldest son's responsibility or obligation to take on these responsibilities. Mothers were responsible for ensuring the purity of their daughters until marriage. Likewise, daughters honored their mothers and fathers by remaining pure to avoid bringing shame upon the family. A daughter-in-law upon marriage lived in the household of her husband's family, an extended family dwelling, and it was important for her to keep peace for the sake of the whole extended family living therein. So Jesus did not randomly offer these examples of division. This was their reality. If one or two members of the household were followers of Jesus and the remaining family members were not, there would certainly be division in that home. Early, Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 34, Jesus, as a dividing factor, was predicted with these words. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. Jesus was destined to bring division those who follow him were destined for the same. Although painful, division is good. If you think about division in terms of the life cycle, you will see the connection between division and pain and joy. Life begins in the, in the mother's womb, and after a time of development and through labor pains, the baby separates from the mother's womb and is born into a new life 
as a separate individual, a bundle of great joy. Then the child grows up, gets married, leaves the home, and starts a new family with a spouse. Although wedding occasions are joyful, sometimes it's a sad moment for parents when a child leaves the home. Not for my parents, however. They went on a cruise the day after my wedding. I'm just saying. But I digress. Finally, at the end of earthly life, a follower of Christ departs this earthly life for a new and everlasting life with Christ. The process of division is painful, but the reward is everlasting. In the final verses of this passage, Jesus confronts the disciples and his followers about being attentive to less important things in life. When you see the cl a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it is going to rain and it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the, the appearance of earth and sky, but you do not know how to interpret the present time. Maybe it was too painful for them to interpret and they just did not want to think about the possibilities of persecution that came along with being disciples of Christ. Or maybe they were just caught up in the presence of Jesus, his teachings, and in his ability to perform miracles. From the beginning of chapter 12, Jesus had warned the disciples and the thousands upon thousands gathered to hear his teachings. Now, Jesus challenges them to interpret the signs of the present time. The Greek word here, time, kairos, does not refer to time as duration, but to time as opportunity, time to plant, time to harvest, time to celebrate, time to raise and lower the sails. Kairos is not about ages, but about seasons and how to recognize them. Jesus presses the issue of interpreting the time so that his disciples and followers may open their eyes to see the very person of Jesus, the teacher, the healer, and one who confronts authorities represents the presence of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand and requires attentiveness to its interpretation. Therefore, if you choose to follow Jesus, division is inevitable. It is an eternal life or death decision that must be made. When we turn towards a life in Christ, leaving our old way of life behind, we will face opposition and division of, among others that leads to salvation in Christ. Do you know how to interpret the present time? If so, what is present time saying in the context of God's mission through Jesus Christ and how are you divided along those lines? 
signs of the time. Today, you can turn on the news or read the newspaper without, you cannot turn it on without uh, seeing signs of the time. Destruction and division appear everywhere. There is the seemingly never-ending COVID pandemic and the rising number of individuals infected with monkeypox. The Midwest and Hawaii battle raging fires while other parts of the U.S. are trying to keep their heads above water, resulting from torrential rains that produce floods. And did you know there are mass shootings nearly every day? We just hear about the tragic ones, but we know all shootings are tragic. And this is just in our country. Around the world, there are wildfires raging in Europe amid the heat wave. They are attributed to global warming. There is the threat of nuclear disaster in the Ukraine as the war continues and Russian soldiers encroach upon a Ukrainian nuclear plant. And if that is not enough, there are a myriad of divisions we are divided on the topic of reproductive rights, how to stop gun violence and the right to bear arms, and the best way to safely educate our children in light of COVID, monkeypox, and mass shootings. These are signs of the present time. If we are paying attention to what is going on around us and all around the world, then we should ask ourselves, what is God trying to tell us? What is God telling us to do? God is warning us to be prepared just as Jesus warned the disciples and his followers in Luke chapter 12. Are we attentive to God's presence in our lives and in the things that matter like our personal health, the health of the church, the health of the community in which we live, the health of the world, and the health of our salvation in Christ. When we are attentive, we can see the destruction and brokenness in and around our lives. And in our brokenness, we can turn to Jesus and be freed from our brokenness and be whole in Christ. Jesus showed us how to be whole in the completion of his baptism. His life, death, and resurrection is life-giving to all who trust and believe in him. Christians tend to equate completion and perfection. When the kingdom is complete, perfection is achieved. On the contrary, in the Hindu tradition, there is a saying about brokenness that is this, only with brokenness is completion found. Only through suffering do truth and beauty emerge. Completion may hold all the imperfections and experience of suffering and brokenness that are a part of our lived realities in all their beauty. Therefore, we should turn to Jesus in our brokenness, bask in the hope of the beauty to come through salvation in Christ. Brothers and sisters, 
How are you divided? Where are you spending more or less time? Jesus is challenging us to examine the inconsistencies between attention and neglect in our own lives. But the underlying challenge is to consider whether these inconsistencies reveal a pattern of prioritizing the insignificant while jeopardizing the things of greatest value and importance. Is tracking the stock market or the record of your favorite sports team taking priority in your spiritual life? Jesus wants you to make a decision to turn to him, accept the reality that there will be division, whether it is between family or friends or political or social issues. I need you to remember this. Remember there is beauty in our brokenness when Jesus is your dividing factor. Amen.